165 pounds. And that concerned me a little bit since he's going to be going up against Jacob Hebner. I heard you talking to Dave about this. Um, I th- I don't think I just saw Josh recently and uh, we hung out a little bit. We did a, a fundraising event, um, but he didn't look 165. Josh still looks jacked. You know, well, he'll look 165. If, if Hepner shows up at 190 for the fight, Josh will look 165. Yeah. I mean, Hepner looks a little bit leaner too, though. But that's, um, and he's a bigger guy, like in terms of like height and reach, which I, which from what I do understand, that is a game changer when it comes to fighting, right? Yeah. Boxing. Yeah. Well, normally, I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to in theirs, but normally. James, could you tilt your camera down so I could look at your torso? <laughs> I will not be saying, you know, it's crazy. I guess I am sexist because if Daniel, we have Daniel Brandon on tomorrow morning. And nice. if her camera's like just pointed at her head, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it's all right. I guess I do have boundaries. I guess I am concerned about my 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 peers and the public's judgment of me. I always thought I I'm wouldn't. just I don't know. I'm just you know, or I'm just glad you said it to me. Um we are uh eight minutes into the show. I think it's time for Brian to say something. Brian. Yep. Um, when the show started, before you dipped out and dipped in and dipped out and dipped in and dipped out, you were you were looking at something on your screen and you go, "Holy, what were we looking at?" Uh, actually, I don't remember. Good answer. Which, which means he remembers perfectly, and he does not want oh, to no, talk no. about Wait, it. I, actually, I do remember. <laughs> I do remember now. I do remember now. Okay. It wasn't anything that fascinating. It was just. Uh, Remember I, I told you about that guy who's helping me out um, with some data accumulation or oh, congregation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of work today. And you're impressed? Yep. And it's not easy to impress you. Um, this is the first show, James, where we've had uh, Ryan Jevning. Um, he's always worked deep behind – what? I didn't say his name right? Forgot a consonant. Jevning. Jevning? Jevning. Ryan Jevning. Um Usually we just have a guy – this is the guy that um, runs our YouTube station, and he runs the YouTube station for Josh, Matt, and, Matt and Sevon podcast. And, I mean, he's gung-ho, and he's like, hey, we can do stuff live, and I, if you give me access to the Riverside FM software, I'll figure out a way that I can um, like produce the shows. So that's why he sent out the phone number today, and uh, now the team has expanded to four. It's myself, Brian, Matt, Souza owner of CrossFit Livermore and mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Jevening. I don't know what he owns. I think he's too young to own anything. I think he's, um, I think he's doing a great job so far. <laughs> See that? Look at that. It's our first sound effect. Laugh tracks. Oh my God. <laughs> did you see, did you see the Tour de France um, footage that happened um, with the lady holding the sign and she turns the sign and knocks off the bikers off their bikes? I- no, I didn't see. I just saw the clip of it on your Instagram. Okay, so you saw it. I saw that, yeah. Okay, oh, it looks like, look at Ryan showing off now. Look at this. Okay, can you see this, James? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Bunch of handsome lads, helmets on for safety first. Oh, Boom. was she t- was she taking a photo? Oh, my God. I don't know. That's a good question. But that is an epic wipeout, right? Yeah. 
Oh, that aerial view is insane. So I saw an article today that says that they're looking for her. They don't know who she is and that she could face a year in jail. And basically, I wouldn't even know the Tour de France was going on if it wasn't for that clip. Yeah, that's a and, good point. And I'm almost in, <laughs> and part of the Tour de France is the fact that like dogs run onto the track and that people are out there and it and it's hairball. Like, yeah, it's and I, I just don't think she should be punished for it in any way. No fine. No. Like you're the. um the people who put on the event, I mean, if it, like they should just have people sign releases first. Like, hey, it's like the Iditarod if you were eaten by a polar bear. Like, <laughs> is that really the fault of the uh, – is that the polar bear's fault or the people who put – no, you're not buying it, James? I just don't think you can make the analogy that this lady's like a polar bear, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I think the only way it's I, like I, I the polar you... bear situation is that that's the only reason anyone would know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, that too. That too. That no, I, too. I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't, it didn't look like she was doing it maliciously. I don't know. I, you probably can't like, like most things, like who knows if they're, you know, who, where did that, that clip come from that they're going to put her in jail for a year? I bet she's in the hospital, man. She got smashed. That's probably where they're not looking where they should be looking. Like, <laughs> someone should ask her if she's all right too. Like I definitely, you know, the, the competitors and we talked about this last time like i don't wish any harm on competitors who are competing but i do feel like if you're gonna compete that's par for the course like risk of injury especially when they let the fans just hang out there right on the edge which i think is brilliant i don't think they should stop doing that if anything that lady if this was the if this happened in the usa that lady could just turn around and sue tour de france perfect that's what that's what should be happening right now perfect i don't know um, i don't know <laughs> we're big time i don't know about that james it reminds me of that um the guy at the cubs game back like 10 15 years ago he had ended up having to go into witness protection because people were so you know crazy about how he interfered with the sport what did he do he like (sighs) stuck his hand out over the uh field of play a little bit and interfered with a potentially uh, foul ball catch to in a very pivotal moment of a playoff game yeah, yeah I, have a real, I have a hard I'm time. I'm okay with, with that. I'm okay with that. Go ahead, James. That he's going into witness protection or that he did it? Both. This is a free show. You can you don't have to follow any script or narrative. You can switch the subject and talk about your granny glasses on your head, whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I still have them on. I usually don't wear my glasses in front of other people for that reason. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you called me out on them. But now the world knows. Um, no, I don't know. You're a master's just, athlete. Of course we know. You're going to bring three uh, well, these, of well, those, yeah, those right, supermarket glasses to the game. They're those blue light glasses, so that's why I'm actually embarrassed to wear them because like, I'm not someone who really needs glasses. I'm just sucked into a trend that's probably totally unnecessary. I wore the blue light glasses one night for an episode of uh, on here, and it was just reflecting all the other screens I was looking at, and I didn't like it, so I, I put them aside. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just think I think that I look at it, you know, like most people I look at a computer screen a lot, but doesn't the sun put off like a shitload of blue light? Is there a fact check on that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think the lady, uh, I hope she's okay. I hope the riders get back up on it. Um, I think if they're going to put her in jail for a year, that's insane. That's my hot take on that. How about a fine? No, man. What do you, who, if someone, she's out on the track, like, I don't know. Regulate your race better. Right. 
And you know? and that's part of the cool thing about. Unfortunately, we live in we live in a time where people are so risk averse, but they don't. That I'm concerned that they're going to like put a keep the fans away now. Yeah, like push push the fans back. Do, were you in the 2009 games, James? I was short for a very brief period of time. I got cut early, but I was there the whole weekend. They had, they had cuts you? ten years before 2019. Yeah, I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> um, it was the dead, the run, and then the deadlift, which were the two events that I just did not practice all year because I sucked at them. So why would you train what you're bad at? <clears throat> of course. Um, so I got cut really early, and I remember Dave standing up on a table in the middle of that that shed and announcing the first cuts. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. I was really frustrated, but I was also like, there's this point in my crosser life where it was just like, I met everyone who had done, you know, eventually would go to do just about anything in CrossFit I met that weekend. And, um, it was just, Damn. it was like, it was a super awesome weekend. No complaints. Um, so you didn't do the hill run? I did the hill run, then the deadlift, then I got cut and then I did the hill sprints, which I didn't do. Oh, sorry, so, sorry. I'm talking about the hill sprint. The two, the yeah, the one where the fans were on either side. Did you do that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't do those. So, and that would that would I, I would argue that that's been the best event in the history of the CrossFit Games. <laughs> and I would love to talk. I wish next time, hey guys, let's vet our guests a little more. That was the whole premise of this show is to talk. Yeah, to you need somebody who's a little fitter who ran that event. Is that because it just is that because it smashed everybody, or because it was a foot race, or? All of that stuff. It was a ama- It was short. It was a foot race. It smashed everyone. But it was. But even though it was short, there was still like all the modalities were being sort of not all, but uh, more than what would normally be tested in a short event like that in a running event. Oh, it was, modalities in, addi- were tested. in addition. In addition to all those things, it was just the timing of it. The, like no one was expecting that. It was. It was a, a very on the like spur of the moment thing. And then the crowd's reaction. The athletes didn't really know what to expect, so it exposed people in a different way. And the footage of it's raw. The event felt raw, so it's very, very like of the of the um, aroma stays. Like it encapsulates what that emotion and feel of that place must have been like. So I think that it, like the same event running. at a different time wouldn't have had the same effect historically or in the moment. And, and, P, and places were changing throughout the entire race. It wasn't like a hundred yard sprint where you get ahead and you're the winner. It was like. 20 feet before the the finish line, it was still like shoving and pushing and sw- places switching. But what I really liked about it is the fans were there. Like they were yelling two feet from your head. It was like that Tour de France thing we saw. It did have that vibe to it. There's few events yeah. at the games that have had that feel. I think that both years in Madison to differing degrees, the bike events had similar feel, especially the crit, the mm. second one. There was like people were lining that course, especially near the finish line and start area. They were like when athletes had to change their bike, if they got like a, like a foot caught in a peg in a clip or a clip popped out. I mean, they were basically in the stands getting a new bike or getting the maintenance fixed on their bikes. It, the crit was really fun to watch. Except that it's a biking event. I don't know. I liked it. What's, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I mean, this is, I mean, I see the tour, I see baseball, biking, and golf kind of all in the same world of interest for me for me in terms of sports oh, world of interest you know? yeah. but it's but they're totally different or, in terms or like, of or like or like the triathlon i'm just saying from a spectator's point of view and so the most exciting thing that can happen in a car race i think is the crash bike race the crash 
baseball. Well, I actually, I was having a exciting there or golf. I don't think anything exciting does happen. I was having a conversation today with a friend about uh, NASCAR. I went to one NASCAR race in my life, and I remember the first five laps, the last five laps, and the one crash. Those are the three things that stood out. Luckily for the crit race, it was only 10 laps, so it got both the first and the last. <laughs> Where did you go to a NASCAR race? Texas Motor Speedways. It's probably 2007. Okay. That's a that's a big speedway. I went down to Bristol for a race um, a while ago, and that was for NASCAR. It was really cool. Oh, okay. So tell me, what did you like about it? I'm sure it's, it's my a lack of super, appreciation. It's a super short track, and um, I just think one of the things that's really – one one thing that's neat about it is all the behind-the-scenes, the team aspect that goes into getting one person in a car and getting through the race successfully. Like The more you understand that, I think the more appreciation you have from it. And then um, just honestly, the ability for consistency throughout the race, I think is really amazing. You know, it's um, And I think from a driver's standpoint, while – the course becomes very consistent. There's a lot that happens throughout that race that does not make it like the same lap over and over and over again. But um, I think that's what's really cool about it. I went to a motorcycle race. I filmed the Ducati team at Laguna Seca one time. Oh, cool track. Yeah, and I think the track's like a mile long, right? Yeah, I don't know the exact length on that, but it's just really famous for that that back downhill corkscrew turn. Yeah, holy cow. Yeah, I actually walked over there and looked at that thing. You can't even get your head wrapped around it when you're looking at it. It's so <laughs> yeah. steep. It's like it's like racing down Lombard Street in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. But basically, if you're a fan, you you are kind of – I mean you can walk around the track. Um, I actually heard that the place holds a million people. I don't know if that's true, but it's massive, right? That is huge. That's and, one of the reasons uh, I wanted to go is because I cannot, couldn't believe how many people. I feel like 100,000 people go to every NASCAR race. Like That's bigger than any sporting event pretty much. But once you get seated somewhere, like that, that's if, if you don't walk around, you're just there. And the, and the cool part is when they f- go flying by, like I, was, I spent most of my time right in front of the pits filming, and, and you get it's amazing when they go flying by on that straightaway, but I, I don't know. The most exciting part is one of the racers I was following his bike caught on fire. <laughs> probably wasn't very exciting for him um hobart do you do you still facetime with austin uh yeah we talk frequently but but specifically facetime <laughs> yeah i try and regulate it a little bit i i you know i have this weird thing i don't feel like everyone should be facetiming you all the time and i feel like it's becoming a ubiquitous form of communication which in some ways is probably really nice for people you know, who are distant, but it's also like, and then, you know, I just, if you FaceTime me all the time, I'm hanging up on 70% of those. Oh, interesting. And I'm just going to call you back on the phone. I don't think okay. seven has this problem at all. No, not at all. But the reason no. why is because the only two people that I know who FaceTime, like outside of like grandparents and kids my whole life are, uh, you and Austin Maliolo. I've never heard of anyone else like <laughs> using FaceTime ever. <laughs> That's a lie. Oh, tell me who. That's not a lie. I feel like all of my friends FaceTime. Right, but most of your friends aren't. Most of your friends hate me and aren't my friends. So that's fair. (laughs) You're supposed to push back. (laughs) But uh, how how old are you? Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. So I just got a a message that the remember we talked about that woman Jeanette Stites, the girl that was. formerly banned by the weightlifting world that was competing on the team that qualified from the mid-Atlantic. Do you remember that, Sava? Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
So without any uh, public knowledge, they were removed from the game's invite list, and the next team was invited. I just someone just messaged me. It's on Instagram. Oh, awesome! That's fantastic, right? Yeah, it's great. It's just it's so it's it's always so strange to me how those things like get out. There, there's no announcement about it. There's no publication about it. It just happened behind the scenes, and someone tracks it down eventually. Okay, let's circle that. Let's circle back about that because I have I have some interesting insight into that. I want to say, um, I want I want to talk about this FaceTime thing. So, how old are you, Hobart? Hobart, put your glasses I, on if you're squinting. I won't make fun of you anymore. No, I was. What is this little logo on top of the thing? Oh, that's uh, is that, is a, that a you sitting with, like? Go on. Is that you? That's like um, who is you've been hanging out with the, the sun god Ra too much? True. Um. Anyway. I just turned 35. And um, how, what's the um, average age of the people who FaceTime you? I know it's a biased that's sample because you're 35. That's a crazy question. Thank you. Let's say, I don't know. Yeah, 33. Okay. And do you have any recollection of the oldest person who's FaceTimed you? My mother. Ah, come on, man. That's it. I mean, someone besides that. Of course, your mom can FaceTime you. I have no rules about mom has no rules. I don't know. I don't know other than that. Because the, the reason I'm bringing this up, and I mentioned this to Jason Hopper too, is that we, he was on the podcast once. We really hit it off. Good times. But I hit it off with everyone on the podcast. And then, like a week later, not even a week later, like three days later, he FaceTimed me. Did I tell, talk to you about this fast. already? Did I talk no, to you about I'm this already? Just... How old is he? Seventeen. I was gonna say because he looks like a grown 20, man. Twenty-three. Twenty-three. He's actually older That's than right. Justin Medeiros. And he had is his he shirt win? off. Is... And he had his shirt off. He Facetimed me with his shirt off. When because when you look like he does, you can do that kind of stuff. You were wearing five. <laughs> j- you were wearing five jackets. Jason oh, Hopper man. shows up shirtless. I think Brian that is w- also a fair analysis. <laughs> Brian was wearing something low cut the other day. He had no business wearing. Nice. Like a, like a, what are they called? Boat neck? Boat neck shirt? Nice. It was something he and Marsden gave him. It was a tank top. And I was, like go- car- I was going had, to their party, like a- man. I was going to their party. And he had a, he had just a full carpet showing. Oh, how was the after party in Vegas? Were the, would you have fun? Yeah, it was great. I was pretty late to it, I think, relative to a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people had left by that point, but um, there were still plenty of people there. And How late did you get People stayed really there? 10. It was supposed to go okay, from 4.30 so you, till 10. <laughs> I was going to say, people were leaving at 10, and I don't know if it was that good of a party, but I guess if it was only going from 4.30 to 10, it was a good party. But it was a, it, it like transitioned into just a normal party in Vegas that happened to have a bunch of CrossFitters added in addition to who would have normally been there. I was flattered that he, fa- I was flattered that I want to wrap this up and then I'll, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll get off the FaceTime thing, but I was flattered that he FaceTime me. I was flattered that he FaceTime me with his shirt off, but my, um, my old man ways, I was like tripping. I was like, Hey man, you decline like, that. If, 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 if I didn't decline it, but if anyone else would have FaceTime me, I would have hung up and, automatically assume that it was that pocket dial no matter what i'm only gonna facetime you now oh shit well that's kind of cool you're that's cool eventually maybe i'll be acclimated um yeah i i I vibe with that i don't think it's a i was talking to another friend of mine there there are a lot of things i like about the phone call 
Oh, but. without the, without the image. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the people I talk to, I only talk to like three people. Like I recently just added Brian to my favorites and now it's like we're friends. Like I call him even if I have nothing to say. Kind of weird. Um, but the, most of the people I talk to, I just like to have them in my ear. And like even if I go into a store, or they go into a store, like we just stop talking until the person comes out. You know what I mean? It's like just like hanging out with them. You just sit there. Yeah. Or like if no one's saying anything, we don't get off the phone. We just go through the silence. I want I want to ask a Jason Hopper question, Brian. Okay. I want how what what kind of real shot knowing what you know now about who's going to go to the games, what kind of shot does he have about top 5? And what what makes him so good? Hmm. Uh Yeah, I an answer to that Hobart. Are you asking and then you have a No, I'm asking like a serious okay. a serious question. Yeah, cuz I watched him at the Mac a little bit and um you know, I've heard all the chatter, so I'm just I'm just really curious to know what an expert thinks. <laughs> well, I think he's a he's kind of a unique case this year where I feel like we, we um Seven and I talked about this the other day but I feel like you have to give him a, actually a chance to win or to or to podium but I also don't think he's necessarily one of the three favorites to win or four or maybe even five favorites to win coming into the game so he's just this he's like I feel like there's a couple guys that I would rank ahead of him that I that I think have a lower floor but he has a higher ceiling if that makes sense so yeah. like I like for example Scott Panchik I feel like he's going to have a great year this year and I would I would say that like more often than not he'll finish at the games higher than Hopper but his highest possible finish is lower than Hopper's highest possible finish. Wow, okay, I'm feeling you. Yeah, no that's that's really interesting. And the reason and What do you think makes him so good? Cuz he's like a he was a collegiate he played football at Clemson, correct? Is that true or some sport? Is that what I heard? Yeah, he was a preferred walk-on on Clemson's football team. Um, and, and he's very athletic. He's very, you know, but the thing that, the reason why I think he can actually do that well, I'm expecting him to have a couple bad events at the games. It happens to almost everyone. I, you know, I have a feeling that there might be one or two things that will most likely show up that he's just going to struggle against this field. Cause it is actually a pretty deep field on the men's side this year. Um, you know, uh, relative to some some other years, I'd even say, and but he can he can win events and he can beat guys that can win events at the games. I mean, he, he won several events at the Mid Atlantic. He didn't really have a bad event there, so I'm thinking that he's gonna. If, let's just say there's 13 events. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, 10 top 12 finishes and three finishes 25th or worse. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this idea about Hopper? Hopper reminds me of a fighter who's like undefeated, like a ten and zero or an eleven and zero. And and may, maybe I'm wrong, but from the time one and zero, one and zero, whatever he he, I just mean early in his career. Let's say six and zero. Let's compromise. And um, he doesn't. He from even I think the words out of his mouth or what he was conveying to us is he doesn't know how good or how bad he is. Like he doesn't know. You know, and so I think on some levels that plays with that gives you a shit ton of confidence. He's never been knocked out. Once a fighter's been knocked out, then it's like, oh shit. Then they kind yeah, of right. know where they're at. I don't think he's he always going to go into it like thinking he can do really well. Or, yeah, or he's like, um, I, this is bad analogy, but kind of almost like a scare, like backing a cat into a corner. You fucking have no idea what it's going to do to you. Is it going to roll over on its belly or is it going to attack you? Like, I don't think he really knows even. 
he doesn't know like he doesn't see the the end ga- the boundary. He I don't think he knows his boundaries. That's pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to to see that. Do you have you asked Matt the question of like, hey, whoever wins this year, do you think that guy is thinking like, or should be thinking like, oh, thank God Matt's not competing, because I can finally, you know, fourth place can be like I can finally get on the podium. We all think that in the CrossFit world, but I wouldn't dare. I, I wouldn't ask Matt that. Matt, I think Matt. I think I Matt's feel like it would probably, put him in a weird position. I feel like he's probably been asked that in reverse in 2000, you know, 15, 16, maybe leading up to the games. He said, if you, you know, someone probably asked him, if you win this year, will you feel like, oh, I wonder if I would have beaten Rich? And maybe even in 2016, they say, like, do you think if Rich was still competing, you would have also won this year? I'm sure someone's asked him that. So he's probably been on the other side of it. So it might be interesting from that perspective. I'm sure his answer would have been something like, uh, if the guy wanted to, to, to put his name in the ring, he should have put his name in the ring. And if he didn't, I can't do anything about it. I can only beat the guys that are here. There's got to be a better way to ask that question. question. Yeah, it's got to be. It's a great question, James, but there's got to be a better way to ask it. Yeah, much better way. Because if someone asked that to me, I'd be really pissed. How about fuck you like that? Yeah. They're kind of shitting on your parade. Yeah. Was 2009 your first CrossFit Games? It was. And and um, were you nervous your first event? Like, what's Jason going to feel when he goes out there? I was really nervous, and I was I was nervous too because I was pretty entrenched in the community up until that point. So it's like everyone I was competing against out there were people like that had, without knowing it, taught me CrossFit through the internet. So who was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, it was very cool. Oh, there's Spiel running up and down the hill. Oh, there's Pat Barber. That's who I've you know I've watched 15 videos from and. Because in 2008, you did Every Second Counts, and I've watched that movie 25,000 times. Um, Seven, how did you choose yeah. those guys to feature on that documentary? Because there were some other good choices that were left out, I think. Like, why didn't we choose James Hobart? Oh, I didn't, that was 2008. I didn't know. Uh... Um, so before I answer that question, like, give me some ideas. Like, Who should we have chosen? I'm trying to remember um, who the – I think it was five guys that you featured. But like, you know, I, the one guy, uh, Wellburn. You know, it's kind of obvious why you chose him, despite the fact that he didn't do well, was because he was an outlier. But I think it was um, like Dutch. Like there were some guys that were just about as good as Dutch that I felt like you could have chosen, and you just went with that guy for some reason. You, you should have picked Jason Kalipa, but you didn't. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hobart, we should have had you as a producer. You could have unfucked us. So the story is this. The media team at that time was like, I think it was just me and Carrie Peterson Tony Budding. I don't know if there was anyone else on the media team at that time. It was originally just like Tony and Lauren and then Lauren stopped making media. And then I think it was just Tony. And then Carrie and I popped onto the scene in 2006 and we wanted to do a documentary on the 2007 games. I really wanted to. And they said that was the first year of the CrossFit games. And they said, no, uh, or Greg kind of just brushed it off. He, I know it's a shame, huh? In hindsight, he should have just done it. I could have just done it too. Um, so then in 2008, about, um, two months before the CrossFit game started, um, Tony, who was the head of the CrossFit media at that time said, Hey, this is what I want you to do at the CrossFit games, X, Y, and Z. And I said, okay. And then Lauren called me and Lauren, Lauren Glassman, Greg's wife at the time. And she said, Hey, what do you guys want to do at the games? And I said, I want to make a documentary about the CrossFit games. This is two months before the games. 
And the way the games work back then, I think you just show up and compete. Anyone can just show up and compete. So I said, she said, okay, go ahead and make a documentary. And then I said, okay. So then I called Tony, I think back. And he said, no, you're not going to make a documentary. You're going to do this. You're going to make content for the site. And I was like, okay. So then I talked to Lauren and she said, you're not, what, you're not doing the documentary. And I said, no, he said we had to make content, you know, for the, for.com. And she said, oh, just ignore basically anything. He, whenever he tells you something, just say yes and then do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even making that up. That's, that's, I don't know if that's verbatim, but it's so close to paraphrased if it's not verbatim. So um, for, I put together a budget for the movie. It was like $17,000. Um, and, and, you know, back in, when we shot it in HD, we bought the best HD cameras. They just come out. It was like a, for camera geeks, it was like a Panasonic 150N or 155N or 50N. And, um, we immediately got on his, so then we basically talked, I think we probably talked with Dave. Um, and, um, we just chose those athletes. I can't remember. And we also chose women. So the goal, we chose five women and five men or six women and six men. And we filmed with all the women and we filmed with all the men. And back then the women's was way less developed than the men. It's not like now where maybe you could even argue the women are surpassing the men in terms of the evolution of the sport. There, there, there was just no comparison. There was no, no I mean, there's probably 12 year old kids who could win the CrossFit games in the women's division, um, alive now. So, um, so we, so we just, we just chose those people. And, and I remember we were at Freddie Camacho's CrossFit gym in like Sunnyvale or Fremont or some shit like that. And we were filming with Pat Barber and Austin Bujibing, who's on the L1 team and good friends with James Hobart. He's there training a guy named Jason Kalipa. And Biji Bing's like saying, dude, this guy's so good. This guy's so good. And he does some crazy workout while we're there. Something like, I know it wasn't this, but it was like 10 thrusters at 135, 10 burpees, three rounds. And we just saw him just decimate it. And so then we were like, or maybe it was 95 pounds back then. I can't remember. But I, as he walked off, I think I said to Austin Biji Austin Bing or to Freddie Camacho, hey, that fucking dude better I think it's Bing, but – Thank you, Biggie Bing. Sorry. It's nice the way you say, no, no, please, always correct. And uh, I turned to one of those guys and I said, hey, that dude better not fuck up our movie. And he fucked up our movie. <laughs> and you you had this experience of watching him move a barbell that well and you didn't think on the last event, oh, damn, someone should probably film this guy? I'm no Brian friend. I'm no, <laughs> hey, dude, when we were in the back room at before the final event, we, so we were in this, in the, in, in Dave's like shed that was like 110 degrees and everyone's warming up. I uh -huh. think Dave, I don't remember if it's in the movie, but I think Dave looked at Jason Kleep and goes, What are you doing here? Because it was just supposed to be the finalist. And Dave is so serious. He said it even more serious. What are you doing here? Just like, fuck you, get out. And uh, I can't remember, obviously, he belonged there. Yeah, I've heard that story. I and don't dude, remember where it was from, though. He started so – I mean, Spieler started, like, easily a minute before him. Yeah. So So then, yeah, so then Jason won the games, and the movie was movie. And then we just didn't have enough compelling footage of the women. Like, it just – and the movie was already so – the movie was already, like, 90 minutes or however long it was. 
that footage is probably sitting somewhere. It's kind of crazy. Like, I, the, so part of the reason I ask is like, if you said to me today, Hey, Brian, who, who are the five guys I should cover in the lead up to the games? You know, and I'm going to try to pick five. Like, I feel like I could pick five and of the five I pick the minimum, the absolute minimum number of podium placements I could get would be two. And it would most likely have all three of them. And I think that four out of five in the top five is even doable for the men this year. But I look back and I see the guys that you picked and I see where they finished. It's like, obviously I understand why you picked Fitzgerald and Josh Everett, Spieler. And then you picked Dutch Lowry, Lowry, Matt Mursky and, and John Welburn. And there's other three guys like you could have picked Pat Barber. You could have picked Matt Chan. You could have picked Jeremy Thiel. You could like, there's a bunch of guys you could have picked. So I just didn't know if there was a specific reason for some of the others. You know what? Maybe we filmed with Jeremy. I can't remember. I filmed with him a lot or I would see him a lot in the community. I can't remember if we filmed with him or not. Probably not if it's not in there. But um, It might be yeah. because we're, I'm, hey, I'm, it, it, it was a $17,000 budget. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Just a, two guys working on the film. I mean, it was nuts. It was nuts. Well, obviously, it was very good anyway. I believe it came together. And it, you know, it, it set the stage. It gave you the opportunity to do a bunch more of them. So. Can I sidetrack yeah. us? <clears throat> Please. So Brian says that he, you know, if you said, give me five people to film, he could give you five and three. All He, he would, you know, without a cert, without a, a smith, any doubt, he could, all three of them would be on the podium. What, what stats, Brian, are you looking at that makes you so sure? Is this just, is this just like. I thought you were going to ask a dumb question. Just, That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So uh, to, I guess to, to be fair. <laughs> I thought are, you were going to ask, well, who would they be, Brian? Like just the cheap, easy question. But the, you asked no, something man. like deeper. That is fucking good. But that, I, I mean, that's, can that's you pretend a, like you didn't a, say it and I ask it? Yeah, go ahead. Hit it up. Tee it up. <laughs> Savon, what a great question you fed James there. I sent it to him in the chat. Texted it to me. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I should start by saying it. At this point in the research that I've done, I still have nine men that I feel like could make the podium this year. But if you were going to ask me to only pick five, then there are certain things that I would look at. And some of them would be like head to head performance in a similar competition to what I'm expecting at the games. And obviously there's always factors coming into the games. And we just talked to Noah last week and he was telling us about a shoulder injury and then a very uh, personal kind of outlier type of an experience that he had leading into the court semifinals that none of us knew about. So, you know, there's Did always you hear that story. Did you hear that story, James? What happened? I didn't, Noah? I didn't hear that, that story. Yet. I wanted to watch that podcast, but I've listened to it yet. I... Okay. Sorry, Brian, you're saying important shit. So I'll try to. No. Tell it. Yeah. Yes. And no, but you know, that's a, it was, it was an unexpected thing to hear from him. And obviously those things can happen. But based on what I know, no one's ever beaten Pat Vellner in live competition in five years, at least in a live competition where the, he's been able to take the entire test other than Brett, Brent Fikowski, who's done it once at the Dubai CrossFit Championships. So I'm going to put Vellner in the, in the list. Um, then I look at Brent Fikowski and look at this, the historical performances that he's had in relevant competitions between winning uh, you know, regionals in the past. Uh, winning Dubai, winning the Asia CrossFit champion, second at, at the Granite Games. So he's great in the last recent live competitions we've seen him in. Plus, he's got three top four finishes at the CrossFit Games. I'm going to put him in the list. And he got through in the online version of the competition, which no, no one will be able to convince me is a disadvantageous setting for him. The more events there are, the better. The more co complex the events are, the better. So for he, me, it's pretty easy to put those two guys in that list. 
breaking it down the rest of the way, like it's almost where you have to start eliminating guys. And so I just start looking at kind of head to head records when it matters the most. And, um, and even then it's tough because like I said, Scott Panchik and Bjorgman, Carl Goodmanson, those are great examples of guys who have historically been amazing at the games. Like you can almost pencil them in for a top six finish, yeah. but, but how do they rank against Justin Medeiros and, and, uh, Jason Hopper who are up to 10 years younger than them and th- riding a lot of momentum. Medeiros made it through the stage one last year and then beat to, you know, Noel, Noel Olson at the games. Like you can't just over overlook that you know um so who beat no olsen at the games who did you say Medeiros. well he was third Medeiros, sam okay. mcquant was second so he's the highest ranking returning guy from last year's games very young has a sanctional win uh at the filthy 150 he would have won the granite games the year before if he knew how to move a sandbag he's proved that he can do that now so he's you know has the has proven in the few competitions we've seen him now he was third place at the mid-atlantic but he's actually in the group of athletes now who I'm thinking is not peaking for semifinals even. They're prepared and ready, but there's still another place for him to go. And really, if you look at the Granite Games, the guys that were in the top four there, they were so far clear of the fifth place guy that, you know, I think that they could, they they almost, those are people maybe with the exception of Hopper who's still learning what he can do, but Panchik, Medeiros, and um, who's the other guy that was, and Mayer, you know, they were coming into that saying, we should qualify for this. I would say Mayer, maybe not so much. He was, you know, for him, he has to make it, you know, he'll be, he's oftentimes fourth or fifth and just barely getting in. But halfway through that weekend, he knew he was hanging with those guys. Anyway, so that's, so I was give you, that's a great question because if you told me Scott Panchik and BKG or Justin Medeiros and Jason Hopper, who's going to have the better finishes at the games? I don't know if I have the answer yet. What about um, Jeremy Stuckey? Does he have a chance to win the games? Are you looking at the Masters division? <laughs> That's good. What? I like that. What are you looking at? No, I do like how quickly you know. What did you think about his answer? Now, review his answer. Does he know what he's talking about, Hobart? I mean, you're well, an athlete. From- what, do you think that that's fair critique analysis? Did you not get what from- you wanted? I didn't feel like I got what I wanted. <laughs> No, I, I mean, because basically I he says he looks at wins. He says he looks at wins. Yeah, I, mean, I wanted I wanted to hear like a little a tech a technical approach. I'm sure there's some um you know, there's some nuance. style in there. Yeah, some nuance to that from what you know, something that's not tangible that he's picking up, but I, I like that, Brian. I've known Brian a long time, so I trust his analysis and he seems to be pretty accurate so far. I I agree with both of that. I I trust his analysis. He's uh astute and reliable. But either he's holding something from us or he sounds like a goddamn psychic. Well, you know, and there's, there are mm. more, like with all of the, the stats that I'm giving, like I can tell you he won the Dubai CrossFit Championship, but if, but you might not know really what that, who was in that field. And you might know the caliber of athletes that he beat and the quantity of tests that there were. I mean, I can't remember the number, but there were at least a dozen games athletes in that field, several top 10 finishers. Um, you know, Roman Krennikov was there who people always want to see go against the best of the best. He finished third. The only guys who beat him were Fukowski and Velner. He beat Velner by like a handful of points. It was very close between the two of them. And there were some other guys in that field. BKG was in that field. Yonakowski, Lazar Jukic, Georgios Karavis, who were all going to the games this year. Tolomora Kenya was in that field. It was a deep field. Jeffrey Adler was there. Uh, Alexander Caron was there. Fabian Benito. So Jason Smith. So winning this competition is not a small a small feat. 
over 10 events against that quality of field. That's the last time he's competed live, Fikowski. But if I say that he went first at Asia CrossFit Championships, it's like, well, the, the second place guy was was Josh Woodhall and third was Ant Haynes. They're just, it's not the same kind of a win. So wins isn't the only thing that I'm really talking about. I'm talking about caliber of win. Um, Hobart, do you have a chance of winning your master's division? Yeah, I think I have a chance. You do? I love it. Yeah. And, and who, who's the, who is, is Casper Bauer in your, in your. Yeah. Call? He is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's horrible. Who, who else? Yeah, Any other bad. just pipples like that? Honestly, all of them. The, the 35 year old masters are, are stacked. Um, Nick Block, uh, Adrian Conway, um, I mean, Zach Forrest competing, Dan Bailey's competing, um, a lot of it, even, you know, and even names I don't know that was cool. And I've said this before, I think I said this last time with, with you guys is that if you look at the qualifiers going to the masters, what was really cool about it was, um, just, um, the international diversity. Like it was like, there's somebody from Japan, Ireland, Russia, you know, us, it was just cool seeing that. And, um, all those guys why? Are, are super. Why is fit. that cool? Why is that cool? Hobart? They should all be from the United States of America. No Canadians? That'd be cool. That'd be cool no. too. No. Um, <laughs> there actually are no. There are no Canadians. They're already beating the shit out of us in the individual competition. There are no Canadians <laughs> the actually. Competitions. There in the Masters. There's no Canadians. Not in not in James's category. Oh, there you go. Oh. Only seventeen have registered so far. They're from nine different countries. But the thing that makes that is most interesting to me is the is the discre- the distribution of ages. So seven of the. Because, well, first of all, from the last time they had a master's competition at the games, they only had 10. Nine competed. Kyle Kasparov actually withdrew prior to the games that year. And the other nine that competed are not, they, none of them made it this year. So it's an entirely new group. But it's cool. It is cool. And those guys must be savages. But, but there are, well, Kasparov did come back. And besides him, there are also one, two, three, four, six other guys that are 37, eight, or nine years old. Which is like six, uh, seven out of seventeen is One a pretty good foot number. In the grave. Can Jason Smith win? I know this is harsh. Sorry, Jason. I like you. I kind of want to have you on the podcast. But can Jason Smith? Do you know who Jason Smith is, Hobart? Yeah, qualified. He's multiple games at Times Games athlete. Qualified out of South Africa. Right. Uh, can he win the thirty-five to forty division? Who's in there with him? If he were to, if he were to, that's run thirty-five to thirty-nine. It's the same one as James. Oh. Oh, and that is the first master's division. It starts at 35. He's Can in, he win like, that division? Is he better than Hobart? Are you asking James? No, I wouldn't ask put James in a position like that. He's like I a, could have sworn you just asked like, him. He's like Switzerland. Switzerland. He's a good dude. Uh, I think if Jason Smith was, was oh. competing in that division, he would be the favorite to win. Wow. Okay, James. Can that dude beat you? All right, I got to go train, guys. This was fun. See you later. <laughs> you know what the guy that, yeah, in that man, division I mean, that really intrigues me is the, is the Finnish guy, Tomos Vainio. Yep, really fit. So, yeah, uh, why do I know that game? That guy, I'm sure I've interviewed him. Was he, he was a games athlete. He was? Let's check his profile. Is he? How do I know yeah, him, That name James? sounds familiar. That's, his name sounded really familiar to me, too. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where I know him from, but I definitely Maybe Ryan can him. pull up his Instagram or something. Thomas, uh, V-I-N-O? No. V-A-I-N-I-O. Italian. <laughs> Finish. 
Are you regretting coming on, James? No, not at all. I love chatting with you guys. I just like listen to Brian just just body bag you with stats. <laughs> <laughs> it's not nice. Sorry, I'll be nice. Um, besi- I'll be well, nice. And and I should say Jason Smith would be a, among the favorites. I have a feeling that Adrian Conway is is going to be <clears throat> pretty good. I'm expecting James to do pretty well. Um, Nick Block should do pretty should be pretty competitive. Those are the guys. I don't know all the international guys, but those are the guys that I think. Uh, how old's Ader Costa? Thirty six. Have you talked to Zach Forrest late uh, at all, like on the phone or anything, or do you see him anywhere, James? I actually texted him when we were going through the uh, age group qualifiers. And I'm going to, I'm going to take credit for the reason that he made it because, um, he texted me and said, should I redo the last workout? Cause he was close. He was like 23rd or 22nd. And, and I said, why wouldn't you redo it, man? Like there's no reason not to, if you redo it and do worse, you're in the same spot you are now. And if you redo it and you do better, you might get in. And then he like just squeezed in, I think the 20th or 19th. Wow. The will, there should end up being at least is... there should end up being at least one backfield because one of the guys Stas Solidov qualified out of Russia as as an individual as well. You know, I watched because when he was putting up his his times, I watched all of his videos. He's a monster. <laughs> you know, it was like in my head, I, I was like, you know, and I know where my training's at, and I, and I'm not something you know, like I'm just not a I'll show up and do my best and have fun kind of guy. But I looked at him and I was like, holy shit! Like I got to really get fitter. <laughs> so here's an this is an interesting I, thing. Numbers are crazy. Right. I haven't looked I haven't really looked into him too much yet. I'm kind of start at my bottom to the the top and work my way down through the guys that I'm more familiar with to least familiar with. And he's at the bottom of the list like like bottom 5 guys right now for the games. And he's a mon- he is a monster and he's very good in online competitions. He was in the um trials for Loud and Live last December as well and he did pretty well. Mm-hmm. What like what do you think is a realistic for this guy in the open division at the games? Uh, middle of the pack. So you think like 20th place finish is within reach for him? Looking at how well he performed, I think so, yeah. Currently ranked 20th, and it's a little... I haven't done a ton of research. I have Tim Paulson. Like that's a guy with a lot of experience. Burp into your mic or something, James. We can't have that much silence. Like if he talks and you don't know what to say, just burp or something. No, I was just I, I made like a mm noise. I guess it didn't come in, come through. It did. It did. So, I, so, I, so where do you have where, where do you have you stats? Right. No, it's all right. I'm just you know he no, really blasted I, me there. So blasted. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like getting getting twentieth this year is I think is harder than most people think. There are there are guys like you know. Jeff Adler was in the top five last year at the games, and I don't have him currently. I don't have him inside the top ten. And this is based on, but this isn't. Those guys aren't based on live competition. This is just you based on comparing stats of or open performance. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't done a thorough analysis, but based on my just preliminary knowledge of everything I know about these guys, and for a guy like Jeff Adler, I know quite a bit because I've seen him compete live. I've seen what he can do online. I know where his strengths are. I know what he's been working on for the most part, like where he thinks he needs to improve. And uh, there's a lot of information about him. Because like Stas Solidov, I know hardly anything. So I haven't really ranked him yet. I don't know where to put him. So I was just seeing if you had any insight. 
I'm throwing middle of the pack out there. It's just that's what I got. And it's and it'll be good. The Russians have uh, really like Romans qualified all these years, but we never got to see him live at the games. Alexander Elin was there as the national champion, and he's going to be there again. How come we year. never get to see Roman? How come we never get to see Roman? <laughs> I've asked I've asked Brian this question twenty times. He doesn't want to answer. But it, you know, Elin only competed in three events before being cut in 2019. Two or three events. I think he was right around 50th place and uh, 56th. Yeah, you're right. And uh, well, when do games tickets go on sale? They've been on sale since They're February. On... Yeah. Oh, really? I bought oh, like. Shit. Uh, so you do have valid concerns. You mentioned in the last podcast. Podcast. Your. I think it was you, right? Someone probably. said that they were like, "Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how many people are going to show up or be scared." I, I, maybe they have more tickets than normal, but when. I remember in the past, the, the uh, uh, Madison and Carson would sell out in like under 15 minutes. I've never seen them promote t- uh, ticket sales like they are this year. Wow, that's really weird. That is really weird. Because that ven- that I, there there aren't a lot of tickets. I mean, I mean, well, in the Coliseum packages of tickets. It, it, and the Coliseum, Coliseum should sell like it should sell out. I don't know. You could go online and probably check. But I I bought um. I think I bought eight tickets using our affiliate pre-sale code right the first day that they, it became available. Um, Brian, did you see that text I sent you the other day? It was it was a screenshot of a DM about two athletes who are brothers who can't get an appointment with their embassy to come to the United States for the CrossFit Games, their individual competitors, until 2023. And they've even already received – they said CrossFit's helping them as much as they can. They said the game sent them letters – they're trying to put, trying to come. Do you know? Do you remember that text I sent you? You sure you sent it? On the big thread. Yeah, it's with um, it's it's on the thread with um the the team seven Matt and Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure actually. It's a. It says, "Hey, is there any way you can? Let's see. Have you heard that yet?" Are you talking about the guys from Serbia? Yeah, the Dujics. Jukic's. Yeah, I found it. Jukic's. Yeah, I sent it to you. Do you oh, yeah, I think I missed it. Okay. Well, it was from someone it's, called Big Badass Wolf. Oh, geez. Man, you're giving away all the secrets. You said the name of the thread. You're talking about like who sent me the intel. Oh, you're killing I, me. I don't know what this is. I remember looking at it, and I was like, what is this? And I just ignored it, and now you're asking me about it. Oh, I know you're giving away. You can't, you can't, you can't reveal the sources. Um, uh, basically, the, okay. it looks like those guys are having trouble. Have you I thought you said it was way? from these guys. Uh, I don't know who it's from, but it looks like it's someone who's intimate with them. From reading it, so that, I mean, I don't really. The truth is, is I pushed it to you so you could like, you know what I mean, like. But, so you no, I don't have any other like information someone, than what we already know about Someone knocked at the front this. door, and I just said, "Brian, will you get it?" <laughs> um. So, so that's the first you're seeing it right here. Like, look at Brian, maybe even angry a little bit. You think he's angry, Hobart? He looks pissed from what I normally know. This news is 24 hours old. Brian likes to be on the edge. Well, I just, There's, I don't I see any you guys here though. You, they're, they're, the, basically that those texts, those DMs say that those guys aren't basically haven't found a way here and their path here that they have right now is through an appointment at the embassy in 2023, which if my math is correct, which would, would mean they would miss the games this year. What is it? James, what were you saying? I just want to give you guys an update. I'm looking at the Ticketmaster Coliseum and it looks like 
very few seats are left inside the Coliseum. Okay, that's good. I just want to give you a heads up. I think I think it's going to be a good show this year. If you're thinking about going, great to be in the Coliseum. And I and I don't think there's a bad seat in that Coliseum. And bring your earplugs. I am not joking. That it's final so event will get so loud that your brains want to pop. It's the loudest indoor event I've ever been to. Like no concert, nothing has ever been louder at the end there when they're screaming. It's nuts. It's so fun. It is fun. I agree. I w- James, what would you be? Go ahead. So you said so. So I, you don't have to rego. You don't have to redo the story. I should catch up on my homework. But based on what you guys learned about Noah, is it more impressive that his performance now, or less impressive, or way considering more what happened to him this year? Okay, more he impressive. He had, a, I, he had a. I would also say that his performance at semifinals didn't detract for me in any way of what I project for him at the games. He was a comfortable second, and knowing that he was injured. You know, makes it even a more like a more. I would say yes. Agree with Savon. More impressive. He had kidney stones, and they, I guess, shot a laser into him or something and broke the kidney stones up. But just to make sure that they came out, they put a stint in him. And I don't know if you know where kidney stones come out of, but they come out of your penis. So to put a, then I had to ask where did they put the stint. So basically, there was a. They put it up through his. I don't know what that hole is called, but you have one. It's at the end of your penis where the peak is. Urethra. Thank you. The hole at the end of his urethra. um, Basically, they put the stint up through there, and then there was a string hanging out of his penis that was long enough to not vanish if he chubbed up. I made sure I asked that. And um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And, uh, And he had that hanging out of him for a few days, I think, until he peed it all out, maybe even a week. And he, and he, you know, his words, not mine. It was uncomfortable. Just a cool, uncomfortable. I love it. So people so, I know have had kidney stones. It's not fun. Uh, seven about this, um, the guys from Serbia. I mean, uh, my first thought was, well, who competed for them in 2019 and how did they get there? But the answer is no, uh, no none of the guys, no guy did because it, I think Jukic, Lazar Jukic turned down his invite that year, and I'm, I don't see another Serbian flag on the board here. That's some good. That's some good investigative work, by the way. But I mean, in that year, there were <clears throat> there were there were men and women from over a hundred countries that that were able to get to the to Madison. Like, so, I, you know, it seems weird that this one country would have this problem, and so I don't know if it's a country's problem or if it's their problem like you know the same re- reason why some of the russians can get to the u.s and some cannot oh you mean like the story you like the reason why you won't talk about whatever happened why yeah the problem isn't coming from russia to the u.s s it's that guy who can't come from russia to the u.s gotcha just like hobart can't come to my house there's nothing to i do would love i would yeah, love to all- give me an invite other jameses could come to your house but you know hobart no that's the difference Hobart, if you came to my house, you'd probably lose twenty percent of your fitness capacity, like in a week. You have no or one maybe to work you, out with. No one. Maybe you would gain twenty percent fitness capacity. Okay, They'd, so there was both, a girl from I, Serbia who came. Okay, and she competed in the first event, and she was cut in third to last place. But she was there, and that's the only thing that was that's really important. So she could she was able was to that? get here. What year was that? Twenty nineteen. Okay, so those guys should talk to her. 
if it, if yeah, it really the, I mean, another the, the, the bigger right. the bigger picture here is I've every everyone I've asked this question to who has uh, any kind of insight has basically told me that uh, CrossFit is taking this responsibility upon themselves that they're working with athletes and have been working with athletes to get them to the games from wherever they're coming from. So if that's great, and what, I don't know what else I can ask for, and if there's a one problem with with one guy or two guys coming from one specific country, that's really an, uh, unfortunate. But you know, I don't know why that problem is occurring for them if it's not occurring for other people. Will they backfill? Will they backfill, or it's too late? <sighs> well, that that's a great so question. Say those guys can't come. The but- problem with the backfill in this case is that it's got a, it's going to be an international backfill, and we've already identified in some other conversations the potential time frame that it could take for that to happen you know even if you're able to come how much time do you need to prepare for it or would you backfill from the last chance qualifier well last chance qualifier could just as easily have international athletes in those positions true but i think that they will intend intend to have 40 guys at the games one way or another so the backfill would just trickle that all the way down like just keep back just keep going back (laughs) To whoever could make it, yeah. You didn't pass your PCR test. You live in Serbia. Then next thing you know, Hobart's in the games. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna pull the Masters men into the Open Games. <laughs> Where, how? <laughs> Why not? What if they said um, that? What if yeah, they said whichever yeah. one of you guys is in first place after day one, come back on Thursday, compete with the the elites? No man. You'd make sure you were in second. Yeah. No, he wouldn't. Hobart's a savage inside. Um, Brian, there's a guy named Jeremy Stuckey. Um, and I guess somehow he gave us some money through YouTube. I don't even know how that works, but it's, it sounds like it's been earmarked to upgrade your internet. I think that's the stipulation on the donation. Although I, you guys have to know that was my, the last podcast that was all jacked up. That was totally my fault. That wasn't Brian's fault. There was a, we use Riverside FM as our podcasting software. And for some reason, this is the first time it's happened on my end. The whole thing didn't upload. And so then I had to use the backup copy and it had really shitty audio, but Brian actually did an amazing job yesterday. So he shouldn't get shit for that. I am concerned about Danielle Brandon tomorrow because she is going to be on a cell phone. Um, and that is not uh, that's not like setting us up for success. That would that's not good. That's like if Hobart didn't sleep the night before the games. Stucky is not the only one who's offered to to pay for an upgrade to internet. By the way, Savan should help you with that. Um, so I could sell my to- jacket. I could sell that jacket I was wearing and get him a whole new computer. <laughs> yeah, and your hat. Well, no, I can't part with the hat. Haps. I'll probably never wear that jacket in California. Well, so you had said that the um, the women's division may have surpassed the men, Savon. And yeah, what does that mean? And then Brian, is it true? Fact check it. Let's let Brian do both. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, no, I could interpret it, but I'd love to know what Savon meant before I do. We just had the greatest. We just had two of the greatest CrossFitters ever just dominate the the men's competition, right? There's no doubt. We just had Rich do a four year run, and then we had Matt do a a five year run, and they kind of did it. Maybe more Matt than Rich, but they did it really. Matt Rich maybe did it with more fanfare, but Matt maybe did it with more dominance. Maybe I don't even know if that's true, but 
but now we have this, I, I feel like the competition in the women's, um, I feel like, I feel like the people underneath Tia are so damn good and they still can't touch her. Like, I think those women who are underneath Tia are of the same caliber that the, they're all superstars. They're all amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to articulate it, but that caliber, you like watching me flub around and talk and try to talk about stuff you talk about, Brian. <laughs> Um, you, you, you have these just savages in the women's class and they've all, and maybe it's just an emotional an analysis, but I, I, they, there's like seven girls I would think that could win the games if Tia wasn't there. And I don't, you know, and I don't think that about the, the men's competition anymore. Like, it's just, it's a bunch of washed up dudes and then some new dudes. Vying, <laughs> oh, vying, vying for something. Let's say an old dude does win it this year. Let's say Scott Panchik or Noah wins it this year. I don't think that they repeat. I think what about awesome if Velner or Fakowski win. wins it? They're just as old as Noah. How how old is how young? How old is Noah? Thirty. Uh, guys that are thirty years old: Noah Olson, Travis Mayer, Cole Sager, Brent Fakowski, Pat Velner. All thirty. Oh this year. We almost had an episode without saying Travis Mayer's name. Thank you, Brian. Do you do you think it's more impressive, or it's um, it elevates the women's field that the women's games competitors range from like seventeen to thirty five at the high, you know, upper levels, and the men I think exist in a smaller age window than that. Is that true, Brian? This year's men twenty one to thirty seven is the range. The women is oh, okay. seventeen to thirty nine. Oh. But I think you're. But I think you're right, James. I think we're seeing more. The thing is that the like the 21 year old, the 21 year old on the men's side, then you have a couple guys that are 22 and Justin Medeiros and Jay Crouch. Um, I would say Guillermo Mujeres from Brazil is the youngest guy, and so I would say he's probably going to be in the bottom 10 this year. His be his first year in the elite division. Jay Crouch is an interesting one. Um, he's pretty consistent. He's kind of like, he reminds me of BKG, just a younger, like less experienced version of, he might not, he's not going to have a lot of top five finishes. He's not going to have a lot of bottom 15 finishes. So he'll probably finish somewhere between 15 and 25 this year. But, but Justin Medeiros obviously can do very well. He's third last year. He's, like I said, he's had a couple of good sanctional performances. So he's the, like the outlier in terms of the capacity to really excel at the games at a young age on the women's side. You've already have Haley Adams, who's still only 20 years old, who's finished inside the top six in back-to-back years. I mean, just her alone has already proven that on the low side, you can have better performances at that age. And on the high side, you have Sam Briggs, who's at the ages that um, Stas Solidoff and Jason Smith are now. I guess they were. she was a little bit younger than that. She was, I think, 34 and 35. She took fourth in back-to-back years. So... Yes, they've proven at the higher ranges that you can have ex- like excellent performances at the games in addition to being older and younger and qualifying for the games. I always wonder why that is, but that's kind of – I didn't have the stats behind it, but I had <clears throat> thought that same thing about the women. The, the way that I impressive. interpreted – the way that I interpreted what Sevan had said about the women surpassing the men is like on, on relative workouts. So – I haven't done a full study of this yet, but based on my, just like what I've observed over time, I feel like at this point, pretty much any barbell workout that has a 65, 95 pound barbell or a 95, 135 pound barbell, that the the women will outperform the men. 
Now, if you put in a, like a high volume of ring muscle ups, maybe not, but with like most couplets or triplets, if that, if that barbell cycling is in there at those light to, mo- you know, maybe even to moderate weights, like a 155, 105, that the women will outperform the men. But if you start, and, and like I said, I haven't, I, I like want to eventually go back and look at some of that, um, and try to see if it's true or if there's been an evolution over time, but it just feels that way to me. And it doesn't only feel that way to me at the highest level. It feels that way to me at the affiliate level. Like the women that have been doing CrossFit for a similar amount of time in my gym to the men seem to do better on those workouts specifically that have that barbell cycling at that light to moderate weight. So that's something that came to mind when he said that for me. You know what I'm excited about, James? I want to know. It's the it's the it's the more emotional and, and dramatic side of it when when someone wins two CrossFit games in a row. If that happens, and and like I think the greatest thing that could happen for the sport is like hopper to win the next two games then all of a sudden overnight people would be like oh he's better than matt or if it, the next person who wins two in a row that conversation is going to start up just right away right i mean just the way it did when matt won two in a row all of a sudden like now we have a uh, i don't know if it's a problem but we have just you can't just win one and anyone bring in the other guys like you can't win one championship and we start comparing lebron to jordan but as soon as he wins two it's like uh oh and i just like that that that's like a fun discussion for the fans and a fun like thing for fans to like rally behind, waste their time doing while they drink beer. I want uh, I want I want Tia to win six. I think that would that be, would be best, amazing. That would be the best case scenario for for CrossFit as a sport. As impressive as she is, man. That uh, um, and I, I know Brian disagrees with this, but I think uh, Cara Saunders is like, I think she's a threat. I think she's a threat. Look at Brian. Oh, no, no, no. I think she's a threat. I think she's a threat, too. I think she's a threat to finish on the podium. Not on top of the podium. Do you think not, other than she has to go out there and do it, do you think Tia has it locked up? Look at her results. I mean, she, she, she never loses. First in the open this year, first in the quarterfinals, first in the semifinals, first at the only four, five sanctionals she participated in, first in every one of them, and first at the last four games. Yeah, she did looks we, incredible. Did we talk about this last time where I think – I have it's a book much. I'm going to send you, Brian, that I think you really like. But I think statistically, mathematically, it's it's more unlike – or excuse me. It's less likely for someone to be a repeat at winner than it is to have an underdog upset. Statistically, it's less likely to have a repeat winner of the games than to have an underdog. No, this I think this is just in, in general, like uh, what what's been observed across just different sporting events, competitive events. That it's like it's more likely for an underdog to have an upset than it is to have repeat um, champions. Not so, not exclusively to CrossFit. Yeah, not exclusively to CrossFit. And I, I'll dig. I, Ryan right now is 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 going to find the answer to that question, but I could be really wrong. But what um james what book is it that you want to share with uh brian paint by numbers or no it's called um the drunkard's walk seven i hope that wasn't a shot at the painting behind me no no that's just like a kid's (laughs) book that's just it's making fun of you but if you don't have kids you don't get it i'm trying to drunkard's walk the drunkard's walk yeah it's how randomness rules our lives i'm trying to find the author um Speaking of authors, on Wednesday, we're having Sam Apple on, the author of the book Ravenous. If you like history and you like great stories, 
Oh, here we go. Wow, that's Ryan's a tough name. That. Can you see that, James? Yeah, yeah. How old's the book? It's not. I don't think it's that old. I probably read it like less than ten years ago. But it's and really fascinating. By it, it's a really fascinating book. Yeah. In in the same way, it kind of makes you. It kind of puts you in this position where you start learning about the statistics of things happening and you find yourself in the book being like, is it a damned if I do damned if I don't scenario? But he talks a lot about different sports examples and it's just, it's very, very, very cool. I'm going to get it now. I'll send it to you, Did Brian. You read you, it or, yeah. I read it. Read it or listen to it on audio, but oh, okay. No, I, I haven't. Yeah. I read it. It's from 2008. So a little older. Yeah. Drunkards. Like I don't know. I think that I would. I wouldn't be surprised to find that to be true in a lot of sports. But um, so far in CrossFit, there's been quite a few number of repeat champions to the point that I think it it outweighs it on the individual side. Like five, four, and then four, two, two. So eight, nine. So seventeen of the how many games have there been now? Fourteen or something like that. Seventeen of the twenty-eight have been a repeat. Well, not the first time they yeah. win, it's not a repeat. So if you take away all the first time for five of them, then it'd be 12 out of 28 repeat winners. Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 it's really interesting. And I, I wonder too, if it just has to do with the, the age of the sport, like it's because CrossFit's a young sport or a younger sport. And, you know, the, the competitive population pool is, is much smaller and it's not bigger yet. Like, will we get to a point where it's like, you know, we might see a repeat winner every 10 years and it's just as way less likely. I think about that a lot. But. You know what? Uh, you're thinking you know about Brian the... has is one of his wild cards is Annie Thor's daughter. Wild card. Well, I... kind of as an unknown. I know, what? <laughs> Do you know about her, James? Annie Thor's daughter? Yes. Her An book. unknown. In, ter- of... it, it, in terms of her performance this year. Okay. Like he's giving her hope. He's giving her hope to get on the podium. Because he's just not sure. You know, it's it's. I mean it's that hard. as a compliment. That's not a dig, Brian. That, I, mean, I mean that is like holy shit. Like yeah, there's there, like here's someone who could just. Yeah, I mean, I misinterpret. I thought you were saying a wild card or an unknown. Like we didn't know who she was. Yes. What I well, what I told you the yeah, other night is who, we don't know who's going to show up. We don't know who's going to show up. But based on what we do know, which is that she's outperformed her expectations in all three stages of competition so far. She's improved in all three stages of competition so far. She has a track record of doing very well at the game. She has more experience and, and can draw on that than anyone else in the field. She, you know, so yeah, if she's and, and we've seen that women who've had children can come back and be relevant in the sport. So it's not completely unprecedented at this point for that to happen either. Um, I don't think that she's competitively ever checked out of the sport. I think she was just had to do that to, to give birth, obviously. And uh, yeah, I think there's a very real possibility that she can make a podium again this year. Which is awesome. No, I like that. That would be awesome. It would be hard. It would be hard to do, but I, I feel like you have to put her in the conversation. It's funny because you get so roped in, like you have a very narrow perspective, like I do anecdotally. And it's some of the, you know, there are so many new competitors around who I've never been around and they've all put in millions of hours and they all have this killer attitude. But it's like, Annie's one of those people and Simone, you know, you know this so well, it's like who you meet and you're like, this is just somebody who winning is just in their DNA. You know, it's like, she doesn't know how to lose, you know, and whatever that is, if it's, 
up, you know, it doesn't matter what it attributes to it, but it's like you hang out with her and you're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And that's a critical factor for when you're, when you're projecting how someone could do at the weekend of the CrossFit games, because someone who has that innately in as a part of them is not going to care if they're in 12th place after two days, they're still going to think on Saturday morning, I have a chance to win this thing. Like they, cause that they can't program it. Otherwise other people get to 12th place or 15th place after a couple of days. And they're like, all right, I'm just hoping, uh, see if I can hang on to top half. Like, and if you have that mindset, you have no hope because the second half of the weekend is completely different than the first half or of the week. Yeah. That's why I always liked about BKG too. I think time I've spent with him competing against him and just listening to him talk about competing. I remember the, the year that they had all those cuts and everyone got really upset. The national champion year, that was what, 2019? Yeah. Um, I think BKG had some one-liner just saying like, every single event, I just assume that I have to earn the right to be in the next event. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what my placing. I was like, that's such a, you know, cool attitude to have. And he did well the whole weekend, but he just, you know, has that like fighter mentality. It's cool. How did he place in the 2019 games? Third. It was the second yeah, time third. he's taken third place at the games. The other time was 2015. I don't remember what year it was. One year I thought he was going to win it. It was looking good for him. Uh, that was the first, um, the second Murph. It was the year he won Murph or smashed Murph, right? He won Murph in 2015. Josh won it in 2016. Uh, okay. Brian, before we started the show, when you and Ryan were chatting, he said something about you being in the 2017 documentary. Why do I not remember that? Uh, it was what a 2019 documentary. Oh, okay. That's why you don't remember. That's the one that he, Heber and Marsden made? Yeah, he's talking about actually like the the movie that was – that whatever they produced that year. Uh, I think it was The Redeemed and The Dominant. And I just had two like small interviews in it. And your face was in it? Yeah, and I had no idea that, they, that I was going to be involved in that in any way. When I go to competitions and Heber and Mars are there, they'll regularly find me – one to five times over the course of the weekend and put a camera in my face and say, what's going on and what's about to happen next. And then if I'm, and then, you know, a lot of times it's, it's either right or it's so wrong that they'll just put it in their little show. Cause it like funny part of the story or, or informative part of the story of the weekend. And they did that at the games that year to do. I just happened to run into them a couple of times. They put, they talked to me a couple minutes. And then six months later in London, I was at strength and depth with them and they're like, Hey, Will you, uh, are you willing to sign an NDA and to be, or whatever agreement they wanted to be in our movie? We're, we're going to uh, want to feature some of your interviews in the movie. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, cool. And I like, wasn't even on my radar that that could happen. So when you go to these events, now that you can get on camera, do you, are you a little more concerned with your appearance? Because <laughs> you seem to not give a fuck on the podcast. Oh, God. Uh, I, I guess I don't think about it. Maybe should I think about it more? No, do you? You do you. He's too oh, so busy crunching. To... He's too busy crunching numbers, man. Yeah, like what if you go in there with your beard trimmed up and your eyebrows? All I was full. I had. I was fully away. shaved in the in the movie in 2019. That's probably why you don't remember. Yeah. What are James, you gonna do at the games for... this year? I want. Let me get that one question out. Or we got to go. Is yep. it too late for yep. you guys? No, 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 no. It's never too late. I mean, you're the la- you're up the latest at all of us. Oh, he moved. I'm in Colorado. Oh shit! I think I'm you a little said bit cl- last time we had you on. Seven. I'm a little bit closer to you. So Ryan, might, it might be latest where Ryan is. He's asleep. Oh. <laughs> That's why we've been getting so much interaction from him. No, he just put the book up. He just put the book up. That was nice. Go actually. ahead, Brian. 
Uh, what, what, what was I supposed to talk about? Um, James had one more question. Remember was what it, it is, James? It was, it was a big question, but maybe you guys will have me back on because I wanted I had a cool question. I'll save it so that way I'll dangle that. But I want to know what Brian's going to be doing at the games this year. Not 100% sure. I've, I feel like from the communication I've gotten so far that it'll be the same roles that I had in uh, 2019, which was basically to write the scripts for the different ceremonies at the games and to help work with the, on the back end of the app to get information out to everyone who will be on site there. Cool. Um, Brian does have two. Um, I haven't read them yet. He sent them to me tonight, but and they haven't been published yet. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? But two articles, he told me the title of them that are coming out on the morning chalk up that sound absolutely fascinating. Can you tell us the titles, Brian? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, of course. Uh, one of them is taking a look at the top 10 finishers from the 2019 games, which was, you know, an outlier of a year for many different reasons. Um, and seeing where they're at now to see if like those 20 athletes who happened to do really well that year when things were so different could do well this year when it was more of a traditional season, than what we're used to prior to 2019. And then the second one is just a reflection on the semifinal programming from the first year of semifinals, uh, asking some some of the kind of the bigger picture questions and then zooming in to answer them with more like uh, exact examples or like definitive examples. So if you'd like to read Brian's work, hit the smart, the, even the smarter version of him, go over to the morning chalk up, Brian friend, um, and you won't have to worry about me interrupting and changing <laughs> the conversation every time I get bored or whatever, me making fun of him. And if you want to see Hobart, you can buy a ticket for the CrossFit Games and watch them compete in the Masters Division. Thank you. Dude, I'm super – I'm really, really pumped that they've moved the Masters and, and Adaptive and Teen so that it's not directly overlapping with the individual and team competitions this year. Yeah, I'm excited for that too because I'll get to watch more of the, the individual and team, and I'm, I'm pretty pumped. That Tuesday to Thursday schedule is going to be nice. I think I, um, I think, think it's, they're doing I, that because of the bigger names. You think they're doing that because of the big names, like people like Hobart? Mm, well, maybe I, I can't I answer know. that, James. It's better. I mean, it's better for everyone. The one thing that I know is they've reduced the number of competition venues that we're using. So instead of having Coliseum, North Park, and Age Group Pavilion, there's no Age Group Pavilion. So it could possibly be just from a cost perspective. If they can have one less competition floor, but they have to have two more days of competition, maybe there's a there's a cost analysis there. The other possibility is that a lot of people who usually work at the CrossFit Games internationally can't get there this year, so they don't have the staffing that they want to have a third pavilion. So I don't know if those, either of those are true, but they're just thoughts that I have. It's a win-win then. Well, I think it's a win-win for the, what James said. More people can watch the Masters athletes and all those, or that should be the age group and adaptive athletes because they're all competing on those three days. Uh, and more people can watch the elites and teams compete later in the weekend because there won't be any conflict of interest um, between athletes or fans. I mean, if let's say that James's uh, family wants to watch, um, you know, the mayhem team compete, well, they they can this year, and they don't have to worry about missing what James is doing. Like they can do both. And or if they want to throw tomatoes at the mayhem team, the mayhem empire, whatever, whatever the, his family wants to do, <laughs> the whomever they would want to watch, right? The mayhem empire. Oh man. <laughs> All right. That was, so, that was perfect. 
So James, one more thing. I had this in, in my list of desperate questions when I run out of questions for you. What would you normally be doing at the games if you weren't training, if you weren't working out, if you weren't competing? And are you going to be working for CrossFit? I mean, I know you work for CrossFit HQ in your in your normal Clark Kent life, but will you, when the event's over, will you put on your CrossFit HQ hat and start working the event? Um, I don't know yet what I'm going to do. I mean, last couple of years I did demo team, which I really liked. Um, I liked a lot. And, um, I think if I, but I would still be training for that. So, and then I have commented, I kind of wanted to get back into commentating, um, for games, some, you know, uh, semifinals, live events, but I didn't really press it too much over the last year just because there weren't a lot of live events, but that was something I thought about doing again. That makes sense why you're jocking, um, you're on uh, Brian's jock so hard. Yeah. I have nothing just to do trying with trying to learn, learn, learn good lessons. Um, in the past, um, the, why do you like the demo team? And in the past, Dave has let superstars like you make guest appearances on the demo team or had un, like, I can think of at least one person who was kind of unofficial on the demo team who would pop in and out. Um, why do I like why the demo like team? That? I just, I just care about the sport. I really care about the sport. So I, I want to be, I want to participate in that process that helps make the tests as awesome as possible. I just, I love that part of it. You know, it's been a huge part of my life and it's just a good way. I feel like I can still get back. Yeah. I like that so, part of it a lot. And it's just cool. It's cool seeing the behind the scenes, just from volunteers to community, to Dave's process, to his team. Like, you know, I, I, I participated in it for so long. It's neat to just see all that goes into it. Have you ever had a, uh, like, do you, like when I you're part gear. of the demo Free gear is nice. When you're part of the demo team, is there are there times where you'll do a workout and and Dave will say, "What did you think?" without telling you what he thinks. Yeah. And and yeah. when when you give that feedback, um, do you feel like it's it's ever actually contributes to a change that is made? Oh, I know it has. Yeah. And then when you see that play out in the competition and it works, are you like, "Oh fuck, thank God." <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's small pieces of feedback, but yeah, absolutely. the standard was a huge, a workout that got tested a lot in 2019. Um, that final event got tested a lot. And was there an, I mean, and, uh, he said that he had that idea for a decade. Yeah. So what was it? What were they trying to pin down the time cap? I think, well, there was everything from the time cap to the order of the events to. Oh, okay. Changing how much uh strategy you gave to the athlete like you could let them chip at, at different parts of the event or they could start they could choose whichever one of the three that they wanted to start with and then you would have had people starting on different ones um but i think that workout i think turned out i mean being there in the stadium for anybody who remembers that was like when matt finished that workout it was insane well, really, it was the first five snatches that made the work that made the drama of the workout. I mean, those two guys got to the bar before him, and he ripped five I in a row, and that was I, it. I still get goosebumps talking about that because just being in there, and then you, everyone saw him do that, and it was just like Matt was just like, "All right, I'm going to put the car into turbo gear," and you know, this whole other speed that I have. It was very cool, but yeah, that was a good example of a workout where we tested both individual team, different people, different athletes, a ton um, to get to that version, and I think, yeah. And it got feedback and it came out just right. Does the, does the inverse ever happen where you give feedback on something, they don't take it into account and then the competition happens and you're like, well, it's a, it, it got fucked up just how I told you it wouldn't. You did nothing about it despite me telling you. 
Yeah. Um, I I haven't noticed that, to be honest with you. And the the reason I'll say I don't think that really happens is because um it so they get so much data now on testing like i bet that's happened in the past but i think now they they get a you know the vetting process is robust and i I just i think it's the final product is so much better tested and because the reason that i'm so interested is because occasionally i have the opportunity not necessarily to test the workouts but to read through the workouts and the workout flow and the description and the time caps and you know before a competition starts. Sometimes the competition director will send them to me and say, Hey, can you look over these? Sometimes they want me to review it for grammar before they publish it. But obviously in the reviewing for grammar, I'm still going to look at the workout and think, well, does this actually make sense? And occasionally I give feedback and it's received and something's done about it. And sometimes more rarely after the fact, they're like, Oh man, we probably should have changed that. It's not like, it's not something that's so obvious that it like ruins the event, but it's smaller things. Like you said, and, and once in a while, I don't get asked something. And then it's the first time I see it, immediately I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to work. And I'll say something to someone and it's too late. And then they'll be like, oh man, I wish you would have seen that beforehand. And it's, again, it doesn't ruin the event necessarily, but it's like, here's a good example. In, in, uh, in London one year, there was a comp, there was a jump rope at the end of the workout. There was 300 double unders to finish the workout. And they were having all of the athletes do, I think it was 200 or 300. They were having them do a huge quantity of double unders in a fixed location two feet away from the finish line without progressing forward at all as they were going through the double unders. Yeah. And I'm like, and it was a 20 athlete lane wide. I'm like, <laughs> how are you ever expecting to catch the winner? There's going to be yeah. 20 guys doing double unders. I mean, it t- at the end of a chipper workout, it's going to take you three minutes to do 200 double unders anyway. And everyone's going to catch up to the double unders. By that point, you're going to have 15 guys doing double unders all within two feet of the finish line. You have no chance for any of your cameramen to react to this. And you know what? They there changed it. They changed it oh. and they moved the guy and they made him go down and back like 50 at a time and come back around. And then you could see the progression and it was easier to tell the story. Damn. That's that. I mean, that's really, really, really good advice. That's like a mistake that would have been made at the CrossFit games in 2008. Actually. Yeah. Maybe not even then, but yeah, that's good. Good foresight. Well, you I can tell I, I've seen, Ho- I've seen Hobart give feedback to because of my voice or my posture. I've seen Hobart give feedback to Dave on multiple occasions and I see Dave ask for it on the regular. And I have seen like immediately, I can think of a workout in specific that immediately right after Hobart finished it, they immediately went into a powwow and he had like 10 questions for Hobart. And basically it was, yeah. is the weight okay? Did you like, like all the things that James was saying, did you like the order? How many people James do you think are going to be able to finish this? I mean, he really will pepper the testing team is more than them just going through the movements and Dave making the assessment by himself. He, there's a exit interview. Wouldn't you say James? Yeah, there is an exit interview. But but I was gonna say, the, this is maybe, maybe this is a hanger for me to be able to come back, but this is like, I wanted to ask Brian a question related to like, what programming he advice he would give to certain athletes, but we don't have to get into that right now. Ooh, how would he program? Coach for- Brian, games, Brian, <laughs> everything, Brian. Well, just just to just- circle back <laughs> to that last thing before before maybe we end is all the stuff that I have in terms of experience, like what I would con- contribute or relate to people who are asking me about it, is only based on the things that I've seen, and most of it is Dave and his team you know, developing this over time. I think to the 2010 games, for example, there was the pistols, deadlifts, double under workout, and they were running back and forth across the floor. It was really hard to know 
who was in the lead because James could have been two rounds ahead of me, but we both could have been doing double honors in the same spot. We both could have been doing pistols or deadlifts at the same spot. So you, you really have to pay attention to know. And as soon as the camera goes away from the wide shot, you lose track of where everyone is. That, that doesn't happen anymore. Especially not if it's a competition that Dave's running because he learned that you need to have a progression along the floor. I think about the killer cage. Like there was, you're just going down and back across this cage. Now, luckily it was a short enough rounds and the rounds were long enough that you could tell, but it was still possible that James and I could have both been on the cage and he could have been a whole round ahead of me. And there was no marker on the floor or something to indicate progression in the workout other than that. So I've, I actually said earlier this year, I'd love to see the killer cage come back, but I think that if it did come back, there'd be an evolution of it where you'd actually be able to, to visually see the rounds that the athletes are on as they progress through it, even if they're going back and forth on the same apparatus. The killer cage was monkey bars. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That event was insane. That was amazing. It was and the Watt bike. It was like a bunch of new stuff. <laughs> and the, yeah. Oh the yeah. Watt the bike. Watt bike. I forgot all about that. Are they still around? I actually don't know. I think I saw one at an affiliate like a couple of years ago that I, when I was like dropping in somewhere in the corner, picking up dust. Wow. It's cool. Well, thank you. Hour and 35 minutes. That's our first test of a live feed. We um, brought on James to carry the show. Thank you, James. <laughs> yeah. Thank Brian. Thank you guys. Thank you, Savon. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Um, thanks, Matt. And, uh, We'll check you guys out later.